Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we'll be going in-depth into my week number seven running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside today's video, I'm gonna be going in-depth into every single matchup from Thursday Night Football all the way until Monday Night Football, and I'll be telling you guys whether I believe you should start or sit the running backs in all of those games. It is important to note that this week, there are six teams on by, so there are three less games. The Bengals, Cowboys, Titans, Jets, Panthers, and Texans. If you got players on those teams, take them out of your lineups. Before we could get into things, though, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below while you're down there. Whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure to leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on Twitter or X. Please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into my week number seven running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday night football, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints, a riveting matchup that may be without Trevor Lawrence, so we're going to be getting a battle potentially of CJ Beathard versus Derek Carr. Obviously, this video is being recorded on Monday night after Monday night football, so there is still some room for Trevor Lawrence to play, and again, the reporting on the Trevor Lawrence situation is still pretty up in the air. With that said, though, Travis E. ETN is going to be a start for me. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, he has been a top two running back in PPR in back-to-back -back games with two touchdowns in each game. I will have to drop him down the rankings, though, if Lawrence doesn't play, because then I believe that the offense that might struggle slightly in terms of the passing game against a tough Saints defense will struggle even more with Beathard under center, but either way, you're still playing ETN with a ton of confidence. Tank Bigsby has really just been pretty irrelevant this season. I really thought with where they drafted him in the 2023 NFL Draft and with the fact that ETN in the past has struggled as a pass catcher as well as on the goal line that Bigsby would be more kind of intertwined with this offense, but that has not been the case. ETN has been on top of the league in terms of touches, so Bigsby is seeing virtually zero usage, so he is definitely a sit. For the Saints, Alvin Kamara has been a top top 12 running back in every single start this season ever since he was freed out of that suspension he has been dominant 50 shades of gray style another guy to me that is a must start running back every single week I get the Saints offense was kind of bad last week now I know that Derek Carr had all those yards but they couldn't really score against the Texans and even with Derek Carr struggling, being a little bit limp dick in the red zone. I still think you got to fire out Alvin Kamara with confidence. And there's a chance any given week that Derek Carr just dumps the ball off to this guy 10 times in a game. Jamal Williams is set to return off of the IR this week. So we will see how things play out with him and Kamara at the same time. When Williams was the guy early on the season, though, prior to him getting hurt and put on the IR, he was struggling big time. So Jamal Williams is definitely a guy that I would be leaving on the bench this week, even up against a so-so Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Next up, we move to the Las Vegas Raiders at the Chicago Bears. Now, the Chicago Bears should be seeing Roshan Johnson return in this game. Dante Foreman was the guy last week up against the Vikings, and in my opinion, he looked mid at best. Now, I'm not here to shit all over Donta Foreman, but I feel like Roshan Johnson, the young buck in the NFL, 
has a lot more juice than him. He looks explosive and has very solid pass-catching abilities. So even without Justin Fields in this game with Bagnett under center as the rookie quarterback, I really do think that Roshan Johnson will still see a bunch of opportunities in this game to touch the rock. Obviously, without Justin Fields here, the Bears offense is definitely limited. They've got a hand tied behind their back in a way. But I would still lean with Roshan Johnson again. Am I banging the drum for him, heavily advocating that you must start Roshan Johnson this week? Fuck no, baby. But with how many teams are on by this week, I think Roshan Johnson could easily crack a bunch of your guys' lineups for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs did have a down game last week up against the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots' defense isn't very good, and the Raiders ended up winning that game, but they lost Jimmy Garoppolo. He had to go to the hospital, and then they don't have Aiden O'Connell on the active roster, so they had to go with old man Brian Hoyer. He had to fucking take his Walker out of the sideline and walk his way onto the field. Brian Horner looked okay. Regardless of the quarterback situation, though, up against the Bears' run defense, this is the definition of a wet dream matchup. Again, if it's Aiden O'Connell, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Brian Hoyer, I am starting Josh Jacobs with supreme confidence, and I believe he will bounce back. Zamir White, you can argue between him and Amir Abdullah on who is the running back two on the team, but regardless of which side you might want to argue in for absolutely no reason, Jacobs is the guy. So that role between Abdullah and Zamir White, they're competing for like four or five touches a game. Jacobs is clearly the workhorse, and he kind of shook off that rust that he had early on in the season from the fact that he signed his franchise tag so late on into the process of the offseason. He kind of shook that off. He's looked a lot better recently. Again, down game last week against the Patriots, but I am not worried one bit. Next up, we move to the Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, the Browns last Last week, we did really see Kareem Hunt look good, right? Running back 11 last week up against a pretty strong 49ers defense. The 49ers as a whole, though, were flopping around like a fish. Debo Samuel gets hurt. Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. And Brock Purdy looked the worst we've ever seen him. I think that was the first regular season loss for Big Cock Brock. And that Browns defense suffocated them, man. This Browns offense... You know, you could say what you want about them with Watson in. You could say what you want about Watson. But that defense in Cleveland is too legit to quit. Shout out MC Hammer. But again, Kareem Hunt running back 11 last week. But my stance is still that Jerome Ford is the guy. We will actually break down their stats here in a couple of seconds. But I am still starting Jerome Ford, right? I'm not fully jumping ship here. Down game last week, but to me, he appears to be the guy, even though Hunt had the better game. Now, Jerome Ford in that matchup played 51% of the snaps, having 17 carries, 12 routes, two targets for 91 yards. Hunt played 37% of the snaps, 12 carries, 12 routes, three targets for 71 yards, and he found pay dirt scoring a touchdown in that game. Now, the question at hand here for this Cleveland Browns backfield is, will Kareem Hunt be involved once Watson is back? Was the installation of Kareem Hunt 
heavily into this offense or more heavy compared to when he got to the team because they were coming off of a buy and now they get to use him the correct amount or was it because PJ Walker was under center and PJ Walker wants that check down ability to Kareem Hunt who's a better pass catcher than Jerome Ford we shall see what the answer is as a Jerome Ford guy I'm hoping that Ford is still the guy but there is still a chance right I'm still acknowledging the fact that maybe coming out the buy was kind of lighting a fire under Kareem Hunt's ass. Hey, we're going to give him more touches. Unlike what we saw last night with the Cowboys and the Chargers, you know, oh my God, they're coming out the bye. Maybe we see more Quentin Johnston and Quentin Johnston did his best John Cena impression because he was invisible. Again, this week, I'm starting Jerome Ford and I am sitting Kareem Hunt. For the Colts, shit's tough out here for the Indianapolis Colts. Gardner Minshew looking like he's going to be the starter all season as Anthony Richardson is going to be done for the year having season-ending surgery, which sucks a fat one. Does Richardson, I know he got banged up, but he was looking real good. And it's just tough because this could have been a year where it tells us, hey, next year we definitely want to be super high on Richardson. Now, I'm definitely going to be higher than some giraffe cooter on Mr. Anthony Richardson next season, but I would have liked to see him kind of grow in the NFL so I could feel even more confident next season. So when it comes to Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss has finished as a top 10 back in back-to-back weeks. Until the workload is fully given to Jonathan Taylor, I think you still have to start Moss at this point. Now, could this be the week against the Browns where both of them are locked up, don't let me out, and they both shit the bed? Maybe, but again, Moss has continued to look good. Jonathan Taylor... The ramp up in workload did really start last week, right? His first game out in week five, it was like he wasn't even there, right? It was the Zach Moss show. Last week, we see more carries, more touches, but he needs to be ramped up more before I can start giving the gawk gawk 9,000 to Jonathan Taylor and label him as a must-start running back like we talked about with ETN, Alvin Kamara, and Josh Jacobs. Next up, we move to the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Now, the referees give the Bills a win on Monday Night Football. I know the Bills fans would be like, Nick, they probably would have uh, stopped him anyways, right? But they do PI holding back-to-back Michael Jordan 96-97, and they don't call it the final time. It is what it is. Maybe I'm just a little bit salty as a Dolphins fan, hoping the Bills lost, but it is what it is, right? I'll give the Bills their win. They looked like shit. They win. Congrats. Congrats. Bills... Patriots, this feels like the type of game, though, where the Bills, again, literally were moving like fucking molasses. They were moving in slow motion. This week is going to be a shit-kicking of the Patriots. Like, this Patriots defense has is severely battered. They're all injured, and I think Josh Allen's gonna whip out the belt and just go fucking nuclear here. James Cook... There are a lot of talks of Uncle Leonard Fournette potentially signing with the team due to Damian Harris's injury. That looked scary. Apparently, yesterday, Monday, he was able to leave the hospital, I believe was the report, and he's going to be okay. But obviously, that was a serious fucking injury, and anytime you have to see a ambulance come onto the field, it's just crazy. So obviously, it sucks that Damian Harris is hurt, and it would suck if... Leonard Fournette signed there for Cook. But with that said, Cook had a down game last week. The whole Bills were limp dick. They needed a Viagra against the Giants. 
I'm still confident in Cook being a relatively safe option, wrapping that directs over your team week in, week out. So even after a down performance, I just have to think the Bills are going to come out angry like a fucking bull when they see that color red for some reason. And I really think the Bills are going to lay the smackdown brother like a Hulkamaniac up against the Patriots. Latavius Murray, if they don't bring in Lenny, Murray could actually be an interesting start in deeper leagues, knowing that he will get enough touches to potentially score. But right now, with the kind of unknown, I would just say Latavius is a sit. After I finally counted out Ramondre Stevenson, after weeks of Ramondre Stevenson bending me over a table and not even using spit or the common courtesy to apply some lube down there, he has a good game. Round of applause for Ramondre. The Ramondre I've been waiting for all fucking season showed up last week as a top eight back. With that said, though, I am still incredibly pessimistic when it comes to Stevenson's Rest of season outlook. The Bills defense, soft as baby shit against the run. But again, this might be a shellacking where Stevenson just doesn't get enough touches. So I'm starting Stevenson, but I'm not super confident in him. Zeke looked halfway decent last week against the Raiders, but needs a touchdown to be start worthy. And please just stop using Zeke and start using Ramondre. But we know that's not going to be the case. Next up, we got the left hands up. Who are we? The Commanders at the New York Football Giants. Now, again, the Giants kind of got cheated by the refs in that game. But at the same time, running the ball on the goal line instead of kicking a field goal before half was really the true dagger into the chest. Fucking Aria Stock style to the, the Night King. That's what Tyrod or Brian Dable, whoever the fuck called that play, did to Giants fans. So, Barkley looked sharp against the Bills with almost 100 all-purpose yards. Now, I don't expect the Giants to look great offensively this week. I think Tyrod gives them a little more juice than Daniel Jones does, but Daniel Jones might play this week. It's certainly up in the air. Based upon what I've read, though, it seems like Daniel Jones would most likely miss this game. But against the Commander's run defense, it shouldn't be shocking to anyone if Barkley wasn't at least a top 14 back. Again, the offense scares me, but Saquon is so fucking good that he'll make do with what he has there. Matt Breida with Barkley back. Breida fades into irrelevancy. For the Commanders, Brian Robinson had a down game in week number five against a piss-poor Bears run defense in prime time. But he bounced back strongly up against the... Strongly? Did I say that? Strongly against the Atlanta Falcons with a top 18 performance, scoring a touchdown in that game. Now, Brian Robinson, some weeks, sees more targets. Other weeks, he's not as relevant in the target game. And then Antonio Gibson seeing the targets. It's kind of confusing. But ultimately, against the Giants' defense... I think they kind of pulled a rabbit out their hat last week against the Bills. I don't think the Giants defense is going to look that good against the Commanders, even though the Commanders are nowhere near the same level as the Giants, or as the, uh, the Bills, obviously, right? Everyone with half of a fucking brain cell knew that. But I do think that the Commanders will be just fine in this game. I think Robinson should be a pretty safe bet to be a start this week. Now, Gibson luck boxed into a touchdown in a game where he only had four touches against the Falcons in Atlanta. This is still very much Robinson's backfield, and Gibson really 
gives me no reason from what I've seen this season to actually believe in him enough to start him. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now we got another Robinson, meet the Robinsons, Bijan Robinson. Yet another down game in terms of what we are used to for Bijan up against the Commanders. Now, he did see the exact same amount of rushes as Algier, but he got more targets. Now, I wouldn't panic on Bijan. I wouldn't sell him for a half-eaten bag of potato chips and a used condom. But what I will say is that Arthur Smith pisses me the fuck off. Arthur Smith, your team drafted Bijan Robinson in the first fucking round, which is something that teams don't do very much anymore, drafting a running back that early. And you use, I'm not saying Tyler Algier some dog shit running back, but what the fuck is this, man? Arthur Smith, figure it out. I know you're watching, pal, with your mustache, you fat fuck standing there on the sideline. Now, I don't even think he's that fat. He just looks fat when, I say this a lot, but when these teams lose and their coach is a little chubby, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm skinny, right? Sometimes when I'm moving in this video, I've got two fucking chins, like two chains has two chains, baby, but man, oh man, is it frustrating. Like some... Coaches just have, like, the idiot face. Like, you pan to the sideline, and Brian DeBull's looking a little chunky. They just fuck something up, and, you know, it's like, oh, look at that fat bastard fucking everything up. You know? It's the same thing with Arthur Smith and his stupid fucking mustache. Arthur Smith pisses me off. Bijan Robinson's going to be just fine, but there are going to be some down games, and it's going to suck. The Bucks defense just got plowed by the Lions, but I still kind of have some reservations with Bijan. You're still starting him, right? never sitting them, but it is frustrating. Tyler Algier, like I said with Bijan, Algier is seeing an annoying amount of touches. With that said, he doesn't look good at all. They aren't doing shit for him, averaging 3.2 yards per attempt. Don't trust Algier, trust Bijan, but again, it's annoying. For the Buccaneers, Rashad with two A's white struggled last week, as I predicted, up against a tough Lions run defense. This matchup is the exact opposite. This is a candy-ass matchup up against the Atlanta Falcons run defense. Expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense as a whole to bounce back after getting smacked, slapped around last week in their cool creamsicle jerseys, right? You wear those creamsicle jerseys, it's like, oh my god, I might have to bet my mortgage on the Bucks. Even though the Lions are looking so good, those jerseys look so cool. No, they didn't do the jerseys justice in one bit. Next up, we move to the Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. If you guys have enjoyed thus far, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below. The Ravens have a double-headed running back core of Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. This backfield is very much that split share every single week. Some weeks it's Hill, some weeks it's Gus Bus Edwards. With that said, whoever each of them scores. So if, if Gus scores, you'll be happy with Gus. If Hill scores, you'll be happy with Hill. If neither of them score, you're probably just pissed off and sad. The Lions defense is legit enough to not even take a chance on either back. Again, this is a Ravens offense that every single week I project to be pretty good. If I had to lean one or the other gun to the head, I would take Edwards over Hill. But ultimately, again, it's very close. And this matchup should at least frighten you enough to not want to start either back. Now, the Lions are going to be without David Montgomery, most likely. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Nick, it's finally time for uh, Jameer Gibbs to get a lot of carries. I don't think so, because while everything points to, we just yelled about this, Bijan is drafted in the first round. You don't know who else was drafted in the first round. Just a couple of picks later, Jameer 
fucking gives. They draft him in the first round. The, the draft war room went crazy. Went nuclear. You would have thought that the Lions just won the fucking Super Bowl when they selected Jameer Gibbs. I'm sure Dan Campbell went home and his wife was wearing some red panties. That's how exciting it was, right? They were going crazy. They popped some fucking champagne, basically. And they don't use him. They don't use him. And based upon what Dan Campbell said a couple weeks ago, he basically said that he views Gibbs as like an ancillary option, like this high upside piece, this fun piece, right? This almost gadget player. It's like they drafted Jameer Gibbs to be Taysom fucking Hill. I don't get it. They drafted him in the first round, but he's going to split touches with Reynolds, and I think Reynolds is going to get more touches than him. So if I'm being honest with you, with how good the Lions are, and the Ravens defense being pretty eh, call me crazy if you want, but I think Reynolds is the guy to start over Jameer Gibbs. Now, I would start both of them, but I'm more confident in Reynolds, which again is sad. It's sad because Jameer Gibbs has too much talent for David Montgomery to go down and not be used. I get when David Montgomery is running train on these defenses. Okay, give the rock to David Montgomery, right? He's a bigger back than Gibbs. It makes sense in certain scenarios. But when Montgomery isn't there, I, I don't get it. I, I really just can't comprehend it one fucking bit. Craig Reynolds can't even hold Jameer Gibbs' jockstrap, but... uh. We, we know what's happening on Sunday. Like, we can try to galaxy brain ourselves out of this. We can try to talk ourselves into, oh my god, this is going to be the week where Gibbs plays really good. I hope it is, but we, we probably know history repeats itself. It's not going to be. Next up, we move to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Los Angeles Rams. But before we break this game down at the running back position, as well as the rest of the slate for week number seven, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe. And Underdog has a great offer for you guys today. But first, I want to explain how Underdog's Pick'em works. So you're going to need to select at least two players from two different teams. So we're going to start with Thursday Night Football, Jags at Saints. We're going to go with Travis Etienne higher than 65 and a half rushing yards. Travis Etienne has been on fire. Now there aren't a lot of choices out just yet because I'm recording this on Monday night after the Cowboys Chargers game. There will be more offerings as the week goes on and we're going to match that with our other pick here of Jared Goff higher than 241 and a half passing yards on Sunday up against the Ravens defense. If both of these hit, it will pay out three times your entry fee. If you do three different picks, it's six times your entry fee. Four picks is 10 times and five picks is 20 times. Obviously, all of your picks need to hit for it to pay out. If you are new to Underdog Fantasy and live in one of these states listed on your screen right now, use promo code NOTORIOUS or click on the link in the video description for a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. If you deposit $100, they give you additional $100, $50, additional $50, $25, additional $25. The minimum deposit on Underdog Fantasy is $10. And if you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, the Rams. Without Kyron and Ronnie Rivers, the man with the porn star name, it would appear that Zach Evans would get the work. Now, I don't think Evans is good enough. I don't think he's good enough to do anything with those touches, right? I don't think that just because Kyron hasn't been the most efficient, like this is just a system running back move, and now Zach Evans is going to be good. Now, could Zach Evans fall ass backwards into the end zone against the Steelers? Yeah, he could. He could. 
And I think he's going to get more touches than Rolls-Royce Freeman. But at the end of the day, I don't want to start either of them. You guys remember Rolls-Royce Freeman? You remember when people talked yourself into drafting him a couple years ago in fantasy? You remember all the upside Royce Freeman has? Well, we haven't seen shit of him in the NFL. Now, again, I'm not trying to make fun of Royce Freeman. If you're watching this, Royce, let's be friends, man. You got a sick nickname. You're Rolls Royce Freeman. But he doesn't live up to that nickname. So if I had to play one of them, right, if I'm, I'm just getting bent over a table by my running back core, everyone's fucking hurt. They're on bye weeks. Zach Evans, I guess, would be the guy over Royce Freeman. But again, I can't even say that. Like, I can't puff out my chest and tell you to start Zach Evans. The Steelers, this is a, the, the Steelers are just a team that I wish I just never drafted anyone on. A, a single player on this team. I just don't like it. Like, the, Kenny Pickett looks like shit. Uh, Matt O'Canida is a buffoon. I'm sick of Najee Harris, though. This guy looks like he couldn't even be a lead back on the fucking Canadian, in the Canadian Football League, the XFL, anywhere, dude. This guy sucks. It feels like soon enough, the Steelers and Stooge offensive coordinator Matt Canada will figure it out. This man's been a top 25 back in back-to-back weeks before the bye week. So if you need to start him, you can. But he's not an ideal start. The Rams defense is good enough. And this offense is bad. The Steelers, that, that, that preseason work where the it really put some wool over our eyes, man. That preseason where Kenny Pickett's coming out firing on all cylinders and the offense looks good. It's just not happening. Now, maybe when Deontay Johnson comes back, everything's all fixed. I just hope Canada starts giving the ball to Jalen Warren because he deserves it. Najee Harris has been outscored by Jalen Warren every single game this season and is the running back 45 on the season. I'm not trying to sugarcoat shit when it comes to Najee Harris. He is not good like an Anthony Fantano review. Next up, we got the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. Kenneth Walker, if Kenneth Walker was one of your running backs, you didn't even need to know, right? You already knew what time it is. You already knew that you got to play Kenneth Walker. Looks solid yet again up against the Bengals. Even with Geno literally playing like he has no eyes, right? Playing like a chicken with his fucking head cut off by the offensive line. The Seattle defense gave them every chance to win that game. And Geno just came came out limp dick. He really did. Walker, KW the third. Six touchdowns over the last four games. He's a must start every single week. There isn't much to say about it. Charbonnet has not played a large factor into this backfield at all. They drafted him pretty highly in the second round. They also drafted Walker in the second round last season. So I thought entering into the season, I, w- I was more pessimistic or on Kenneth Walker. I was a little bit optimistic on Zach Charbonnet. I was like, okay, Charbonnet was drafted in the second round. So was Kenneth Walker. You know, Walker has struggled in the past catching passes. Maybe we could see that Charbonnet catches some passes and takes away, at least eats enough into that role that, you know, Walker's not amazing, like must start every single week. And, you know, Charbonnet gets a little bit more. He, he has. Now, he looks fine out there. I would argue he actually looks really good, but he's, he's only had 23 touches on the season, so you're not doing much with that, right? We're fucking seven games into the season. He's far from start-worthy at this point. If something happens to Walker, knock on wood, we do not root for injuries, of course. Something happened to Walker, then Charbonnet could truly shine bright like a diamond for the Cardinals. I feel like the Cardinals will be more competitive this week compared to the last two games where they just got passed around like a fucking blunt. Without Connor last week, it was clear that the team views Keontae Ingram as the guy. So Keontae Ingram's a start, but he is a 
cringe bottom of the barrel start because Imari Di Marcado, the Italian stallion running back for the Cardinals, looks better. He looks way better than Keontae Ingram. Sorry that I fucking started spazzing out there and it unfocused, but I didn't make a cut because I, I didn't think it was that long. But Keontae Ingram doesn't look great. DiMarcado has the juice. He has what it takes to, you know, have a couple of good games in the NFL. Am I saying DiMarcado is the next lead back for the Cardinals? Fuck no, baby! Because once James Conner's back, it's his role. His. But let's be honest, at least DiMarcado, when he's running, it's like, oh, look at that! Ingram... He's just not it. He's just not it, but he's going to get the touches. And if the Cardinals offense doesn't look as bad, we're going to see Keontae Ingram be at least somewhat successful. So again, while I like Mari DiMarcado, he saw three fucking touches last week. So the writing is already very much on the wall. Next up, we move to the Green Bay Packers at the Denver Broncos. Now, A.A. Ron Jones coming out the bye week. We should see Jones ramped up to full mast, a full workload with a wet dream, mouth-watering, slobbering matchup up against the Denver Broncos. I also expect the Packers to look far better than what they did in prime time up against the Raiders prior to their bye week. Jordan, love me tender, love me sweet, was awful. Like, he was an interception machine. But it's okay, you know? One bad game doesn't mean you need to fucking panic. You need to just wee-woo, wee-woo, right? It's okay. Okay. Seeing Aaron Jones with a full workload be dominant. So, I'm going to continue to believe in Aaron Jones. Now, A.J. Dillon, I'll give him some credit. He finally showed up once against the Raiders. Congrats, man. But with that said, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. A broken clock is right twice a day, I think is what the old fucks would say. And a while, right? You know, every once in a while, the blind squirrel finds that nut every once in a while. A broken clock is right. So, basically, I don't think Dylan's going to be able to do it again, especially if Aaron Jones is ramped up back to normal, a normal workload. So... I'm sitting Dylan with supreme confidence now that Aaron Jones is back. A.J. Dillon had one good game this year. He had so many opportunities without A.J. or without Aaron Jones when the Packers were also bending teams over the table and he just didn't do anything. Devontae Williams played pretty eh coming off the injury last week against the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday Night Football, but he did average five yards per carry. We need to really see this Broncos team be competitive in a game though for Javante Williams to truly reach his peak Jalil McLaughlin I think he's earned the RB2 role over Samaj P. Ryan I think he has upside to break off a play but again how often are we going to see that upside actually come to fruition so I think you're going to have to sit him down next up we move to the LA Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs now Justin Herbert for the third time this season fails in the clutch Right against the Dolphins, game-winning drive, eh. up against the Titans, eh. fucking flat like flat Stanley. Last week, last Monday, just just last night, with that lady going crazy in the crowd, wearing a Herbert jersey, he chokes again, chokes again. Now again, I'm a generational Herbert hater. I'll give him credit, man. He's great at checking the ball down, and that's great for Eckler. But when it's push comes to shove, 
can't do it. And again, it might not even be his fault. Because early on in his career, he was pushing the ball down the field great. I just think, I really do think that Brandon Staley's a fucking idiot and he needs to really go. I think that's really the root of things here is that Brandon Staley's just 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 a buffoon. Uh, Eckler did not look great against the Cowboys, but the Cowboys' defense is good. I, I know they, they've had some bad games this season. I know the 49ers spit-roasted them. I know Arizona beat them. But this defense is still good. There is no reason to be nervous. There were a lot of players that are great, amazing, that played bad last week. Last week was a really weird week in the NFL. So don't panic about Eckler. You probably already knew that, but there are some people that are newer to fantasy, right? Eckler's missed all season, basically. He plays week one. He's been out since then. Oh my God, Eckler this, Eckler that. Do not panic, right? Don't sell him for pennies on the dollar. He's still good. Don't worry. Joshua Kelly's back. And Kelly is back in irrelevancy, baby, uh, for the Chiefs. Pacheco has been a top 16 running back in four straight games. He appears to be the clear lead back on this team with a great matchup against the Chargers. Now, I know Tony Pollard wasn't prolific out there, but the Cowboys struggled as well, and, and I don't think the Chargers defense is that great. So definitely going to like Pacheco. Now, McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, every few games, you're going to see McKinnon score a touchdown. People are going to be like, oh my God, Nick, should I pick up Jarek McKinnon? He's on my waiver wire. Oh my God, he's on the Chiefs. I'm so fucking excited to start a Chiefs player on my team. And then uh, he's back to being useless after that game. So don't buy into the hype when McKinnon eventually falls into the end zone. But every once in a while, he's going to do that. But with Pacheco and CH both being there, it's really hard to argue for McKinnon being a start with his current workload. For CH, the same shit I just said about McKinnon is true, right? There is too much competition to start him. Eventually, he's going to have that good game. He's already had one this season. He's going to probably have at least one more because he's on the Chiefs, right? But he doesn't get enough work to be confident in it weekly. Next up, we got, Because you waited all day for Sunday night. Jalen Hurts versus Tua. The battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. But we all know how it ended in Alabama. Tua's better. <laughs> That's, uh, obviously Hurts is really good, so. Not trying to shit on Hurts. Hopefully I didn't get copyrighted for my elite singing there of Sunday Night Football, Dolphins at Eagles. This is going to be a fun one. This is the type of matchup that you do wait all day for fucking Sunday night, baby. Dolphins, Eagles should be a battle. Hurts didn't look good against the Jets, but the Dolphins don't have the Jets defense, so he's going to look good. He's going to look surgical. Tua, that Eagles defense looked a little soft. They haven't looked the best all season. I think Tua's going to go crazy. I think this is going to be a real fun one, man. This is going to be a game for the fucking ages, so I'm super pumped for this one as a Dolphins fan. A true test of how great the Dolphins are. You'll see how great I am, great I am, great I am, like that Muhammad Ali quote, I believe. So here, DeAndre Swift, you already know what time it is. It's DeAndre Swift time, baby. Top 12 running back in three straight weeks and a top 15 running back in five straight games. Swift even showed up last week against the Jets when Hurts looked bad. When Hurts was struggling, when the offense couldn't get it up, even with the injury to Lane Johnson, you know, Swift still got it going. He was still rowing the boat, baby. The Dolphins' run defense is ass. The Dolphins' run defense is bad. So Swift could easily go crazy and be the running back one on the week, even though it's going to be very frustrating when they get to the one-yard line, because you know what happens on the one-yard line? It's the brotherly shove, the tush-push, and man, no, look, I want the tush-push to be banned, because I, I I already know what's going to happen on Sunday. Jalen Hurts can get like two of those against the Dolphins. I'm going to blow my brains out, but 
No other team can really do it. Like, the, the Cowboys tried to do it. It just didn't work. So, Dolphins. Oh, actually, back to Eagles real quick. Kenneth Gainwell. The team is officially committed to Swift. Hallelujah. So we don't have to worry about Gainwell anymore. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Mostert has been going nuclear all season long, aside from that Bills game, even going up against a tougher Eagles defense, right? I expect a great showing, especially without A-Chain. Don't even think twice about Mostert. Jeff Wilson. With how good the Dolphins' offense is, Wilson feels like a must-start. But I will be cautious in being overzealous with my analysis, right? And just going out there and say, big dick swinging, Jeff Wilson scored a touchdown, this, that, and the other thing. He's going to be involved. Salvin Ahmed is going to go back to running back three. Chris Brooks is hurt, so it's going to be Raheem, Wilson, and then Ahmed. Until A-Chain comes back, and then it shakes it all up again. But right now, Raheem and Wilson, obviously Raheem's the guy. This is still, a, like, again, I think the Eagles' defense is underwhelming compared to last season. This is no cakewalk. This is no breeze, right? This is going to be a harder matchup for Jeff Wilson. But I think... Against the fly, Eagles fly. We need to let Jeff Wilson fly. I think he's going to have a pretty decent showing. Final game here, Monday Night Football. Back to the, the ass, right? Back to an ass Monday Night Football game. This probably won't be that bad, though. 49ers, hold like Minnesota. Vikings in Minnesota. Now, Christian McCaffrey, the team seems a little bit optimistic based upon what I heard yesterday Kyle Shanahan say about Christian McCaffrey. But you should be preparing for the worst. You should be preparing for McCaffrey to miss. If he plays, though, obviously, you should start him. If he doesn't play, I think Mason, the numbers Mason, what do they mean? Jordan Mason will be the RB1 on the team. He has scored in back-to-back weeks and looked good in relief of McCaffrey on Sunday against the Browns. With that said, he also outtouched Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell has been dealing with an injury and may get more touches this week, assuming that maybe he's more back, more healthy. This seems like a guessing game. Hot potato with Mason and Mitchell if McCaffrey misses. But if I had to choose based upon how Mason and Mitchell have looked, Mason has looked better. And it seems like the coaches really like Mason, which was exactly something I talked about in the offseason. Even as an Elijah Mitchell guy, the 49ers do always do this fuck shit, right? The, clear, the running back one gets hurt, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's obviously this guy. And then some random that they pick up off the fucking street, bang bus style, ends up being the guy. So <laughs> that's what we might end up with here. Elijah Mitchell, sit him down. I would play Jordan Mason. Alexander Madison is a top 24 back in four straight games. This matchup, smoke through the screen, it reeks. I know Kareem Hunt and uh, Jerome Ford F-150 kind of formed an Eiffel Tower over that team last week. I don't know if the Vikings will be able to do that. With Madison, Cam Akers last week against the Bears, Akers had virtually zero involvement in the game with just two touches. Seems like Madison is clearly the guy... Again, bad matchup for Madison, but without Jefferson, you have to just believe they're going to try to dump the ball off more to Madison going forward. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you didn't end up enjoying, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below as well as hitting that like button. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you'd like to check out my weekly rankings on Patreon or get any questions answered that you would like answered guaranteed, check out the Patreon for $7.50 a month. I love you guys all so much. Hope you have a great day. And as always, good boy.